You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And kicking off the new year with some classics, some favorites, and coming up some interviews. Very excited about all of that. And today we're talking about a record very near and dear to my heart. And I am so glad that uh, we came up on this one to talk about. This was a Connolly suggestion to talk about this band. And I I, uh, I picked the record, but it could have been any record. I mean, well, I don't know if we could talk about Aurora here because that one's that one's uh, on the on the out furthest fringes of noise extra territory but we're talking about Einsoff and their record Shatria from 1988 on their own Misty Circles label and this came on the heels of several ritual ambient self-released cassettes to get to this point which is a very very special record but before we get into the record, Kylie's, what have you been listening to? Well, here it has been a continuation of last week's episode and extra segment in that it has been a lot of Mersbau and specifically those slowdown records releases, which we're finding more and more about from our listeners. So thank you very much for everyone who's hitting us up and and pointing us to where you can pick up physical copies and just suggesting other ones that we hadn't mentioned, but really been into those. And it's just been a great noise inspiration beginning of the year, wouldn't you say, Tara? I agree. Uh, we we had a fantastic double feature last night in terms, not, not musical, but in terms of film. We watched To the Devil, A Daughter, followed by Cannibal Girls. Yes, incredible double feature. To the Devil, A Daughter feels appropriate to the sounds on this record and some of the themes, maybe not all of them, but it it The themes in the world of magic, in the world of secrets, in the world of just strange mysteries unfolding before you. And then leading into an... Uh, Ivan Reitman yeah, his- early film, which we had no idea, just, you know, kind of randomly chose Cannibal Girls because that sounds fun. But oh my God, it was it was what Eugene Levy's in it. Well, it's it's the it's Ivan Reitman's first movie, and it is it was a great double feature that I'm always a big proponent of the double features that aren't e- exactly the same. Sometimes the Instinct would be, say, to follow up to The Devil, A Daughter with another Hammer movie based on The Devil. Mm -hmm. But I say that it's best to do something a little different to keep the vibe, you know, keep you keep the keep the movie separate in your brain. And Cannibal Girls is great. We had never heard of it. It's very lighthearted. It's incredibly entertaining. You can tell that everyone in there, it was one of their first films as an actor or, or or a cinematographer, whatever you have. But other than that, it's just in addition to that, it, it was highly entertaining, uh, pretty darn violent and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Really great. 1973. So to the Devil Daughter, great companion when you're listening to something like Einsof. Mm-hmm. Cannibal Girls, a nice follow-up when you're moving on to some something different at the end of the night. And Mersbau for your daily dose of noise. That is what's been going on here. And the Mersbau, of course, has been 
bleeding into our preparation for the upcoming Yellow Gas Flames shows, the first one being here in Los Angeles on March 3rd. And of course, that is our warm-up show for our set in Japan. So a lot of noise and a lot of great 70s movies and then a lot of Ein Sof leading up to this 100% episode. A lot of a lot of candles being yes. burned, a lot of moody lighting happening, a lot of books being cracked open. It is a great January zone here. What about you, Gray? I've been watching some Tales from the Crypt old oh, episodes. You yes. know that we were going off on Tales from yeah. the Crypt a few months ago. I will refrain from doing the laugh. I got yeah, yeah, yeah. in the zone with it as well and just watched a few so far, but I'm definitely digging back through them. Uh, my girlfriend had recommended one of her favorites that we watched last night. Which, which one? The New Arrival. It's got, Remind, the, it's got Zelda yep. Morrison from Poltergeist in it. And uh, she's calling like a a child uh, psychologist who's like on the radio. And then he ends up making a house call with his producer and the head of the radio station who's like going to cut his show or move his time slot or something. And he's trying to grasp onto that. It's got a little cameo from T-1000 Robert Patrick wearing a pin of, I guess, was was his brother still in Nine Inch Nails at that point? I don't know. He's got a Nin button on his uh, leather jacket, which I thought was right. right, right. (laughs) His brother who went on to do filter. filter, Yeah, yeah. And I've been listening to, well, I I can't get this green tea record out of my ears, the uh, snowblower record on New Forces, but I also have been listening to Children of Wisteria from Sata Tuhata, and I just got a big box from them today so I can stop listening to the download and start listening to the CD. Always Heck an yeah. exciting thing. And I have also been jamming Couple Out on the Town riding the Skull Car by Rage. Yes, so good. <laughs> It's Perfect. so good. Weird one, truly a weird one. Uh, there's it's a, a new, cool looking couple too. <laughs> for real, there's a new organ of Cordy thing that came out. That's just two five minute tracks, Usher and Trauma, on Dead Mind Records. Uh, just saw it on the Bandcamp and grabbed it. And I've really been enjoying Organ of Cordy, the EA and other works. I think I already raved about here. Also been listening to the Agonal Lust Serration Like a Knife Split. Fantastic. It, it, it's so good. So very nice to listen to. And various other things. I, I've been uh, kind of throwing stuff on and seeing what feels right. So I forgot to write down a few things, but I, it's been a, a lot of listening around here, actually. Yeah, definitely. Same here. It's like we said, just a lot of heavy noise. So it was cool to switch things up with Ein Sof today and excited to talk about this album. And for the extra segment today, we're going to expand our discussion on some of the themes. Tara, of course, has been heavily researching the titles, the references, the lyrics, and information from the different liner notes from the LP as well as the CD. So, well, that's no chore whatsoever. Well, yeah, absolutely. This is your bread and butter here. So for the extra segment, we will expand our discussion on these topics, but I'm so really excited to discuss this album. And we, we got a chance to talk with Zoe DeWitt, 
who of course put out the incredible Ars Regia, or however you pronounce that again. Uh, uh, apologies up front for any mispronunciations throughout this episode. And that tape is incredible. And it was thought to maybe do that one, but this LP, there's something just a little, sets it off a little bit more. And I know that it's Gray's favorite from the project and it's been one that we've talked about doing for a bit. And if anyone is unfamiliar with this album, we encourage everyone to pick it up on Bandcamp so you can hear it and, and support directly or at least get it however you can. There's a couple CD versions, original LP, but if you want it for immediate listening, we will have the link up for the Bandcamp and it is beyond worthy of your time. Wouldn't you say great? Absolutely. It's a one of a kind record coming at a time when like this is still what five years before the first moon lay hidden beneath the cloud record, but obviously right, must right. have been an influence on them listening to yes. these tracks. And it's such a diverse record. And I, I mean, I, I wrote more notes, I think, than I do a lot of the times while listening to this stuff. And as I had told the Connollys, this record's ingrained in my head. I've listened to it over and over so many times. Uh, me and my old bandmate would jam it like in the car while traveling around Europe. This is just one of those records that stays with me at all times. And I am very guilty. You're talking about the uh, Yellow Gas Flames FFH gig coming up in March. I'm DJing that show and uh, I'm I'm very guilty of playing Monsalvat, the second track on this at, as when I DJ all the time. So this, <laughs> you may well end up hearing it again in just a little over a month, month and a half. Not a problem. We'll be happy to have that set some of the atmosphere that night. This is one of those bands that I heard sideways. I'd heard a couple tracks and then getting into Novi Svet and some, and like circus joy and some of those bands. And so I've had that Aurora record and that's drunken sounding or like weird folk songs. And it's a, it's a cool record and a weird record. And maybe drunken isn't the right word, but it's, it definitely has a weird, rural Italian folk rock band feel to it. That is not what this record is and not what their early tapes are. And so that was my kind of, I think real introduction to them in the early two thousands. And then digging in immediately, you see, Oh, there's all this crazy stuff from the eighties that they did. That is like really amazing. And this record, once you hear it, you can't unhear it. It's such a special thing. The, the thing about this record that strikes me every time I hear it is how simple there are six people performing on this record, but all the tracks are very minimal, have very simple motifs and melodies and elements to them. And the way that this record is powerful, isn't through maximizing the sound it's through its intention and through its ritual and through its concepts. And they translate really well, especially when you actually do translate some of the lyrics or can track that stuff down. Each edition of the record has come with different information. The LP press that I have has uh, an insert written in Italian, which we have, of course, translated. The 
CD press on How Rook, which is the most recent pressing of the record, I believe, has lyrics to a couple of the songs in the booklet. The earlier edition on uh, Musica Maxima, I think is the label, didn't have like much of any information in it. That was the, f- the first version I ever got with the orange and black billowy pixelated grainy cover. So it's been mysterious and you have to have all of these pieces to <laughs> kind of unlock what's going on here. Luckily, nowadays we do, right? <laughs> but just starting this record off with that simple piano motif to open Decimus Gratus. And the heavily reverberated cavernous female singing that goes on for the majority of the track before... We get these other notes, synthesizer, something swelling in the background to add yet another layer and continue to carry the piece forward. Five minutes, quite simple and quite beautiful and a perfect way to open this record. Absolutely. Uh, you're immediately in when you hear those piano notes. It lets you know what to yeah. expect in a, in a way. Like, this isn't gonna be a dark ambient murky thing there's there's some definition to the sounds and some and instrumentation is clearly presented there is a sincerity and a solemnity that goes through this entire album decimus gratus is latin of course and the words are 10 steps of exaltation exalt me lord exalt me Lord, lift me up to your truth, your holy truth, just as you promised me from eternity. Do not give me death, but life. And the 10th degree, it means many things. There are 10 sephirot of the Kabbalah, uh, but then there are also the rules of St. Benedict that were outlined uh, in Catholicism. There are many, you know, 10 degrees because, again, 10 can be a magical number, but. Uh, the 10th degree of humility is what resonated with me the most in this one. And that would be the 10th degree of humility is that, that the monk is not easy or soon to laugh because it is written only fools raise their voices to laugh. And that's St. Benedict's 10th degree of humility. And I love attaching that to this song and thinking about that while listening to the song and while setting the tone for the album and you are in this very solemn place and gray you're right the way it starts the 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 brightness of it immediately and the directness of it that piano line in my mind it's a loop maybe it is being played the whole time but it acts as a loop at least you're you know that you're in for some clarity and that is going to exude a lot of power for this record and also like you said there's a lot of minimalism in this record i've i've said many times minimal means for maximum power right a lot of times the most powerful music is the most minimal it cuts away the fat and gets to the core and this album absolutely does that and starting with this track the vocals are so great 
these great haunting vocals that go throughout the record, female vocals. And I couldn't gauge if this singer was on anything else. Oh, Eliana? Yes, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I only saw one other album that is attributed to her. And but it I almost don't didn't really even seem like of that. Yeah. yeah, it didn't even seem like maybe that was mistaken. You know, user based websites, as we know, you you never know. But exactly, what uh, what I like too is her vocals continue throughout the record in a way that it feels like this record was done in the time that it takes to listen to it. Obviously it wasn't, but it has that feel of it starts and they're performing it to the end in this great way. That's the, that's the atmosphere that it, it, it gives off an evening, a presentation of this material. I, I feel that it's a unusual thing to, we notice that, you know, the, the a side is marked by, two tracks with female vocals and one with male. The B side has one with male vocals. And then the final track has both on them. So there's an even division of vocal duties on the record. The second track, this is one of my favorite pieces of all time, not just on self, but anything I can listen to it forever. simple synth oscillation before the spoken sung vocals come in and that organ melody beneath it and following from the first track and leading into this track it sets for this melancholy empty somber feeling but then you get this drum thud and organ melody and guitar shredding like just fingers are flying on the guitar in a noise guitar wall of sound way. And it's this ecstatic burst of energy. It's so powerful and so infectious, contagious. It, I get goosebumps every time I hear this song, every time I love the structure of it. I love the pacing of it. I love the alternating between really simple spare thing with these lyrics and the lyrics which I'm sure Tara can tell us more about are taken from Alistair Crowley, the book of Thoth. You know, there, there's so many things going on in the lyrics that are provided, the words that are provided that, you know, I find myself not knowing where to even start. Um, and we can, we can go back to the words that accompany this entire album, but just to generalize which is so very rude, uh, but I will do. Uh, 
in magical pursuits and, and pursuits of the spiritual, you know, you get out of it what you give. And so these things can be taken as simple words that are pretty and you can use it as a, as a social means. You can use it just to take it at face value, or you can internalize it and, and go on the journey and take a deeper meaning out of it. And that is your choice. And so I find that every track has those layers where you can get out of it what you want, uh, but there are many layers that you can peel away. And yes, uh, Montsalvat uh, has accompanying piece of poetry from the Book of Toth from Aleister Crowley. It says, no, not all ways are lawful to innocence. Pure folly is the key to initiation. Silence breaks into rapture. Be neither man nor woman, but both in one. Be silent, babe in egg of blue, thou that mayest grow to bear the lance and the grail. Wander alone and sing in the king's palace, his daughter awaits thee. And so the the words that those are referencing, Munsalvat is the mystical castle of the Knights of the Grail in Wagner's Parsifal. Wagner imagined the setting in the mountains of the Berber or Islamic Spain. It was his very last composition. And many people think that it was his best. And again, Nietzsche is broke with Wagner in terms of his philosophy after it was released. However, even Nietzsche himself could not deny that the music is potent and beautiful. And the reason I bring up Nietzsche is because he is also quoted in some of the liner notes which we will discuss when it's time. But Montsalvat, I'll, I'll read you the poetry that inspired Wagner, again, translated from German, about Montsalvat, the castle. In distant land, untrod by mortal footsteps, there stands a castle, Montsalvat by name. In its midst, there stands a shining temple so glorious that none on earth can compare. Within a vessel of wondrous power is guarded as the holiest of treasures, so that it might be tended by the purest of men. A host of angels brought it to this earth. Once every year, a dove descends from heaven and strengthens anew its wondrous power. Tis called the grail, and blessing of purest faith it does confer on its devoted knights. I love all this that you brought up to accompany listening to this track because it really adds to the entire feeling of this track. And to me, we, this track is, we are in that castle. We are in these cavernous rooms. Just of- a foggy landscape and echoing beauty. And it was again, the, the castle of the, the grail and it was guarded by the pure, guarded by virgins, all of those images of the angels and doves. That is Montsalvat. Yeah, it's incredible. And when you hear this, like Gray was saying, that simple synth line and, and the vocals and just that bare minimalism again, to me, it's the empty castle. The Maybe the, vo- maybe the vocals are part of what's guarding this castle. And then when it breaks into that, chaotic part and there's a back and forth throughout the 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 whole track that the organ and the guitar again it 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 feels like this guarding the castle right the maybe that maybe there's a someone trying to infiltrate and that's what the the organ and guitar section is well there's a toughness to this entire album it's not it's not just beauty 
Uh, and and I think this would be the perfect time to to use their words uh, again that we translated from the liner notes of the LP of the LP. Uh, and that would be the action must start from the individual. Each of us is called to demonstrate that we deserve the title of individual. It's not an invitation to violence, but a battle cry aimed at the reawakening of firmness. Do not seek comfort in others, but awaken the sacred values within yourself and impose them with your presence on the world around you. That is incredible and something that the world could use more of in 2024. And just great framework for this album. And I and I think it's it's inspiring and it's inspiring to see these words of firmness. Like again, just to have beauty is not a passive gesture and sometimes there must be this resolve within the individual to take what they know is right to take what they have learned and internalize that and go forth in the world. And, and there is a glorious softness and lilting voices. However, at the same time, there's a willingness to stand up for what they're fighting for. Yeah. But it's the, it's the weak minds who don't appreciate beauty. It's, it, it is a strong mind and a firm mind that, can embrace and understand beauty and fragility. Whereas the weak minds wallow in ugliness and, and, and weakness, right. Which is not beauty. And so I think that that is such a great way of, of putting those things together, the, the firmness Mm -hmm. and beauty and that's the Ars Regia is is saying, you know, the artist is king. If you want to make weakness beauty and you want to make something ugly beautiful, then you are the artist and king and you have to use your power to make that happen. However, it's an active process. It's not passive. If you want that to happen, you have to enable it. You have to enact it and you have to go through the process. And this is an active record. Listening to this record, you are activated. Absolutely. And listening to Monsalvat, I'm reading the lyrics along with the track and getting even more absorbed into it and thinking about these things and focusing on the delivery and the method of speech and the interruptions that happen with the guitar and organ. Mm -hmm. This is, this is one of the most perfect pieces of sound to me. It really is. And so, yeah, uh, the second song on the record and already (laughs) it's, it's a indispensable, right? Before we come to IAO, I assume it's Yao. Mm-hmm. Yao uh, can be Y-A-O or I-A-O. In Gnosticism, it's an archon. It's the son of the demiurge, Yaldabaoth. And again, it's that energy that wants to keep your soul trapped in a physical body and imprisoned in the material universe instead of ascending to a realm that goes beyond that flesh bag. This one has some 
reverberated clunks, metal, drums, and scraping manipulating to start it before we get into the layered invocations, chanting, and singing. There's so many things. This is the track where it feels like the most is going on at one time on the record. Those vocals, now we have the male vocals on this track. I was envisioning that they were coming from a few rooms away and were slowly walking towards the room where the percussion mm-hmm. and metal is happening. They slowly grow. They slow, slowly rise. So again, I'm in a castle and they're some rooms away, but the procession is happening. The vocals start coming clearer, start coming closer, start coming closer. And yeah, it's it it has this great emptiness to it to start, and it gradually builds in this takes its time in a, in a great way. It's so evocative, and and again, it brings me back to Percival the Wagner opera because many people described it as a sacred festival stage play, and it is it was a tradition at the time to not applaud at the end of the first act because they saw it as a work of the sacred. And so again, just like this album, you, you reach the second side and it, and it, you know, if we were a live audience, would you applaud? Would that be something that you applaud? Or is it something that should be taken with solemnity? Because that is the way it's delivered. We were trying to find any live footage from this era. There's live recordings from the eighties, but we couldn't find any, actual footage gray have you ever seen any footage from the 80s i have not no but there's some great pictures the cover of that one live tape has their what looks like on top of a massive staircase Mm -hmm. or some some sort of steps yeah and reading about it they they performed in many historic sites in rome yeah it looks so the pictures look amazing sure that was an ancient uh site pictures of that performance look great and it's and it sounds amazing too it's incredible so telling too like an ms20 a drum a cymbal you know like Mm -hmm. the the instrumentation is as spare as you expect each person has one job like really on stage and uh, there's something very charming about that and about how focused they could be on what they are doing and what they are evoking in the audience i would have loved to have been at this show oh my god (laughs) i love this track too how the organ gets introduced in the latter parts of the track and then eventually takes over for the percussion. The percussion goes away and we end with the organ as the main focus. And the organ, it sounds so Mm -hmm. great. It's also great throughout the album. It's used multiple times and it's just so, such an incredible And also selecting the organ, which is so frequently used in in church settings. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, plays into the psychology of what we're hearing. Yeah, the organ coming in around the six minute mark and then by near the end of the track like eight and a half minutes we've done a full crossfade to like the the drums are gone and we're just left with organ for the last 45 seconds or so of this piece it is really really cool piece and a way to end the record before flipping it and getting to the title track Chatria. oh yeah mm-hmm. great 
great first half of this record. And Tara, will you tell us about the cover? Oh, yeah. So it is uh, a continuation of the theme of the cover and Kshatriya. Kshatriya is the warrior class of the four Varnas of Hindu society. And the cover art for this album is a marble statue from the Palazzo Altom and Rose in Rome. It's Aries Ludovosi, which is Aries or Mars seated with Eros playing at his feet, which, you know, Eros is Cupid, the god of carnal love. But this is a reproduction of a Greek original that is from 320 B.C. Perfect image to accompany this. Again, that idea of firmness, Tara, that you really honed it on in the the battle cry. It's the push and pull. It is it is Aries. However, Aries is accompanied by love playing at his feet. So you have that interplay of firmness and determination and discipline in conjunction with love and softness and fragility. This one has this dread piano that is the main backbone of the track. One hammering note for the piano on this thing and the wooden chimes is what I had written in my notes. The weird background sound that's going along with it before we also get, I, you know, piano hammering one note. We also get a guitar doing the same thing. It's, it's being abused here. It's being hit repeatedly and repeatedly until it erupts into guitar feedback and noise and guitar noise is such a tricky thing because it sounds like a guitar, right? We've talked about this before, but it works so effortlessly to punctuate the sounds here and to complement all of the other sounds that they've used. It really doesn't feel in any way out of place. And even thinking of the guitar as an element in ritual performance in this record, it doesn't feel out of place at all. It feels perfectly in there. And that's not something I think I could say about a lot of if you put guitar on a lot of other records, but the way it's used here is so effective. Yeah, it really adds to the overall picture. And like you said, Gray, they would, as they would go on, guitar would become more of a focus of the the project, much like Der Blutarsch. And I, I associated them together in that, of course, how rock putting out their CDs. They did a split seven inch together and I know Albin was always saying it was one of his favorite bands. So it makes sense that they would have teamed up going in similar trajectories as far as starting in this space and moving towards more of a guitar centric sound. But it really is utilized great here. To me, this is, we're just chugging to war. We're, yes. we're, we're, we're marching to war and the main vocal in this track is repeating the title over and over. And to put an abstract concept on this track, it would be, this is the one of intent. 
It's the focus. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's it, it and what's so cool about this record while I was saying it feels like an evening. It feels like they the record was pressed to the beginning and it went to the end. But every track is incredibly distinct and this one is doesn't sound like any of the others just like all the others don't sound like any of the others but this one in particular there is something more menacing about this track and i think it's just that like you said gray that one note being hammered the chugging along and then knowing that this one is the is the closest themed on war that it it has a very great menace to it Sorry, did you translate the lyrics for this one, perchance? I did. So the lyrics for this are equally potent. Loyalty is stronger than fire getting back up, rising again, creating a form and order, standing among the ruins, choosing the hardest path, forging our courage, strengthened by our honor, Kshatriya, reborn right down to the blood. Yeah, <laughs> it, it. it's chilling again. Love it. That that reborn right down to the blood just just echoes through your mind, uh, given the nature of Shashriya. The vocals are imbued with so much power on this. The chanting, the the strength on display here. And one thing I noticed about the music is that it's, it slows down towards the end and then speeds up again, which is a strange choice. We don't really hear any of that sort of pitch play or tempo play in any of the other tracks, but in this one, it really works to bring it down and then subvert your expectation and swing back up again before we hit the end of the track. I love it. I love this one, but I also love Stella Maris the closing 14-minute track of this record. Gertie, Gertie like droning and layered female singing with now the guitar is considerably more delicate and comfortable in its space. Oh, I mean, this track, you right away, you know, it's going to be 14 minutes. You know, you're you're finishing out the record with this immediately. You can settle in and absorb the entire atmosphere that this is presenting. What, what a way to culminate this album. It's lulling you. It is hypnotic. And this final track is really beautiful. Uh, Stella Maris is a guiding spirit, a female protector, the star of the sea. It's an ancient title for Mary 
And, you know, its origins were possibly a transcription error uh, and, and didn't really have the intent to be literally uh, the star of the sea. Maybe it was a, a drop of the sea was what it was intended to be. But tradition took over and it became associated with the Virgin Mary. And this really, really potent image that was used by sailors to keep them safe, to pray to on long voyages and and for others to keep in their heart for those at sea. What a theme for this track. And I love the idea of this being sounds or the the metaphor of us as humans being lost at sea and just looking for our star. And this one goes through so many different places, but one thing that I really notice is that all of the elements mutate and meld into one another as the piece evolves. So this isn't one 14 minute track. You've got five, six distinct movements or zones exactly in this one that effortlessly change as we start with that Gertie like drone that I mentioned before, you know, the guitar comes in and then the bells overtake when the male voice appears. And we start hearing this stuff where you get these almost like dulcet tones, but they're a little dissonant as well. Electronics under the underneath it that then somehow merges into this ghost choir in the background mm-hmm. while there's still vocals at the forefront. You have multiple voices singing on this one at every time, multiple female vocals maybe, or layered in recording and also multiple male vocals. I really love the way this track continues to change face and it is that wandering lost feeling where you're in a fog but eventually you find some new landmark and that's when you realize that oh this has changed from where i was a little bit ago yeah the the change is subtle and the layering to me gray yeah the the vocals were at times being performed and at times being looped and layered or that's the sense i was Mm -hmm. getting and yeah, how everything starts to compound and melt into the next thing and melt into the next thing until you have these multiple layers, but it never breaks out in it. Like, like in the Monsovat track where there is like this chaotic noise part that mm-hmm. does break in the, this happens gradually throughout this track. So you're always in the the wave of the track you're 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 always you're always in the sea that this track embodies but it constantly is changing and evolving throughout the 14th this reminds me of like when you're touring a really large church and there's like maybe a, a guide over you know on one side and some music playing in the distance and then the chattering of people like there's such a space to this and an echoing quality and a largeness to this track. Well, it made me think of the one particular church there that you and I went into in Ravenna oh, in, my in God. Italy. That was fantastic. And it yeah. was dark and mm-hmm. only lit by candles and, you know, it was a Byzantine era church, church and yeah. it had this feel. Mm-hmm. Right. There's different parts there were holy of it. relics within it. Um, there were tours on one side, you know, maybe some people practicing for a service in the distance. And again, it, it has that, that staggering feeling, the sense of that sense of awe, that sense of being in the presence of something larger than yourself. 
And I almost forgot that I looked up a, a 12th century uh, Latin homage to Stella Mara of, from Bernard of Clairvoy, and I thought it was nice. So I wanted to read it. If the winds of temptation arise, if you are driven upon the rocks of tribulation, look to the star, call on Mary. If you are tossed upon the waves of pride, of ambition, of envy, of rivalry, look to the star and call on Mary. Should anger or avarice or fleshy desire violently assail the frail vessel of your soul, look to the stars and call on Mary. Incredible passage to think of while you're listening to this track. I love this record. Every song, everything about the design, it's just a favorite. And so I'm really happy we got to dig in even deeper on it today. It's a really incredible record. The 80s output, especially of Einsof, for our tastes, for sure, uh, is just when you are looking for this type of feeling the necrophile tape those early tapes that misty circles put out the self-titled on stall plot is is also fantastic the split with ms from a year after this came out mm -hmm. is phenomenal on cthulhu yes i think of the split I think of the self-titled on Style Plot Gray because, of course, every time we're at your place, it's one of the main items that is up on display mm -hmm. in the living yeah, room. Yeah, that's true. Stare it at it. It's such a distinct cover. Yeah. Sit right, sits right next to uh, Au Petit Enfant de France. Yeah. Oh, which, of course. <laughs> uh, Many times. You know how we feel about that record. And uh, But I will say, too, you know, we, we did check out some some modern performances, and, and they sounded great. You know, again... Uh, like we said, more mm -hmm. guitar centric, but they were still in that long taking their time. There's still the, the organ, the synth acting as organ was very prominent. Very thoughtful. So really yeah. cool. I, you know, I, do, I, I think it, it would be great to, to see them anytime, but like and we said, if anyone does have any footage or could point us to some footage from the eighties, we'd all love to see it. Cause it, the, the, the audio sounds incredible. We would just really love to see the performances and, and taking concepts that humans have, turned over in their heads and in their lives for thousands of years and bringing them into the modern world and seeing how we can relate to them and seeing how we want to relate to them, how much or how little we care to relate to ancient principles to me is invigorating. And I enjoy connecting to a piece on these many levels. And, and like they say, you can take as little or as much from this as, as you choose. And I, since I did reference Nietzsche, I thought I should probably read the last section of the liner notes from the LP to just bring that, tie up those ends of the circle real quick. Stick the tail in the snake's mouth, if you will. Here we go. Today, unfortunately, the affirmation of ambiguous principles, such as progress, equality, pacifism, and so on, has led to a materialistic denigration of the human being. A denigration which has also involved the figure of the magician, the initiated, making him a clown, or a magician at best, a wordsmith. Finally, once all this is clear, we understand well what Nietzsche meant when he stated, 
of everything that is written, I love only what one writes with one's own blood. Write with blood and you will learn that blood is spirit. Incredible way to cap this incredible record. And I love that concept. If it is something that you feel passionately about and you need to write, are you willing to put your energy into it? Are you willing to sacrifice your own blood? Are you willing to do the work for those things that you believe in? Or will you passively sit by and let it be a thought that flits out of your head? It is up to you. The decision is yours. We would recommend the decision be made that you listen to this record over and over and listen to Ein Sof. And for further information on the name of the project, Ein Sof, we are going to head to the Patreon and Tara is going to give us more background on this term and its history and different contexts that it has been used in. So join us over on the extra segment on the Patreon for that discussion and listen to Ein Sof. You have been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 20 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at Noise Extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.